Come to the end of the 
you, God. We pray, Lord, for humility, Lord. We pray for hearts that desire to be broken by you, God, that we will be your vessels, Lord. We thank you so much that you invite us into the greatest love story ever, God, that you do not manipulate us, Lord. You do not withhold yourself from us, God, but ever-loving, ever-present, ever-flowing, Lord, that your love for us continually, constant, without um, without any betrayal, Lord, even when we're faithless, God, you are faithful, Lord, and forever our song will be, Lord, the greatest story, God, that you have redeemed us for your glory, from love, hallelujah, we worship you, in Christ's name, amen. All right, well, good morning, good very morning to you. My shirt says, let go. I don't know if you can see the bottom of this or not. Let go and let God. Uh, that's what we are like striving to do in our life, right? Just let go, let God, just trust God. Things that are out of your control, just trust God. Things that are under your control, try to do the best you can. That's what we do. That's what we, uh, that's what we do as we live. And I, I hope you're doing well. Uh, this COVID thing just keeps on like perking up and calming down and perking up. And so a lot of people I know are, are dealing with different kinds of COVID issues. So uh, keep praying for each other and uh, keep praying for uh, the people that you know that are struggling with this stuff and people on the front lines that are trying their best to, to make it better for everyone else. Okay. Pray for our country as we uh, move closer to election day. It's uh, getting pretty crazy out there, isn't it? Um, all I say is vote, go vote. I voted today. You go vote and vote for God, okay? Just vote God. Whatever it is, just make sure that it's as much of a representation of what God would want in this world and for us as a country as you can possibly get. There are no perfect politicians anywhere on the planet. <laughs> so you got to take what we got and... Uh, at least take one that's representing um, the things of God uh, to the best of their ability. We just finished up a series, a long series, on when the going gets tough. And we talked about some things that Jesus said about when the going gets tough. And in November, we're going to move to a new series on prayer. Okay, we're going to talk about prayer and different uh, aspects of prayer, what it is, so that we can end this year and begin the next year in this mindset, in this state of prayer, that we are prayerful people, prayerful warriors as we move, okay? But for today, for today, I have a, I have a really big question for you, and uh, you're going to need a pen and a paper and a card or a piece of paper, something to, something to write on, okay, for this question that I have for you. Uh, there's been a Lot and lot of books and materials and seminars and trainings and all kinds of stuff on the topic of life. Life. Okay, things like life wellness and, and a great life and life after death or life after life or life choices, life coach, the essence of life. And for the longest time, we even had a magazine called Life. So there's been a lot of talk about life, but the question that I have for you is simply this. What is the perfect life? What is 
the perfect life. So just kind of zoom in with me, kind of let everything else that's going on in your day, in your mind, go away. Just for 20, 30 minutes here. And just kind of zoom in on this question. What is the perfect life? What do you consider to be the perfect life lived? Okay. And, and, and what I'd like you to do is take your paper, pen, whatever, your card, and write down some things that you would determine or you would use or you would uh, consider to be the perfect life lived. Maybe successes, maybe accomplishments, maybe qualities, what, whatever might come to your mind. Just, just write it down. Nobody's going to see this. So you just write down whatever you want. And if you're right on the nose later, great. If you're not, it's okay. Don't write the, don't write the word Jesus. Okay, we, we know that Jesus is perfect. We're talking about your life and we're talking about my life. We're talking about our life. What, what is the perfect life lived for, for one of us that are not Jesus? Okay, so write down some things real quick and then and, and I'm going to keep going. But you, you just use this time to kind of think and write some things down. You've heard of the perfect storm, right? The perfect storm 25 years ago. Uh, three gigantic storms all converged together on the northeast part of our country. Huge storms, one from the coast, one from the north, and one from the west. And they all merged together in what was called, 25 years ago, the perfect storm. Perfect because it just doesn't happen like that. Storms don't all come together like that and become one giant massive storm. that just doesn't happen. It was a phenomenon. It was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of event for that to happen. We've also heard of what is called the perfect game. The perfect game, right? It's what they call a perfectly played and pitched baseball game. When, when no one on the opposing team gets on base, walks, hits, gets hit by a pitch, scores a run... Nada, nothing, total shutout, not an, not an error on the, the perfect team makes no errors. They walk no batters, they hit no batters, they allow no one on base, and they allow no runs. That's the perfect game. Well, go with me for a minute on this. This has only happened 23 times in the history of baseball, <clears throat> in the history of recorded baseball, okay? The most recent perfect game was in 2012 on the greatest day of the year, every year, <clears throat> August 15, 2012. Felix Hernandez with the Seattle Mariners pitched a perfect game. Now that was, that was eight years ago. Was the last perfect, perfect game ever pitched. I'm not talking about a no-hitter. I'm talking about the perfect game. They don't happen very often. The very first perfect game happened in 1908. 1908. That's when the first perfect one. And the last perfect one that we know of is in, is in uh, like I said, 2012. So only, only, only 23 of these perfect games have ever been pitched. Now get this. There have been, in the recorded history of baseball, over 400,000 games 
played. And in 400,000 games played, that's a lot of games, only 23 perfect games. That means in 112 years of baseball, 112 years of baseball, only 23 times did somebody pitch a perfect game. Now, let me reference that to a guy everybody probably knows, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb played uh, in his career, Ty Cobb played in 3,035 games, is one of the top five most games played in a career. 3,035 games, okay? So Ty Cobb, it would take Ty Cobb six lifetimes, six careers before he even saw one perfect game. That's how little these things happen. That's how rare the perfect game is. And so you got the perfect storm and you got the perfect game and they're perfect because they, they, they hardly happen and they're very difficult to happen and they're very unusual. Like, like most people will never see it happen. They don't happen every lifetime. They don't happen very often at all. And, and they're also very hard to duplicate. The perfect storm, the perfect game, perfection. Perfection takes work. Perfection takes effort. Perfection takes patience. Perfection takes strength. And perfection takes discipline. So, what is the perfect life? Hopefully you've written something down. Now you can just kind of think about that as we proceed. The Bible talks about perfection. Okay? All through the scriptures we see the word perfection pop up in different ways. Here's a couple uh, samples of how the word perfection is used in the scripture. Perfect love, scripture says, drives out fear. So the love that God has for us drives out fear. He's, uh, James says, if anyone doesn't stumble, he's a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. That's pretty cool. God is perfect and his love is being perfected in us. Above all things, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect harmony. The way of God is perfect. His word proves true. And by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Perfection. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be perfect, here it is, be perfect for your heavenly Father is perfect. Do you see what Jesus says to you and me today? Be perfect for your heavenly Father is perfect. We are to aim for perfection because the God we serve, the God we claim to follow, the God we claim is living in us, that we accepted as Lord and Savior of our life, is perfect. And because he is perfect in us and around us, and he's the one we're looking to and trusting in, he says, you aim for this kind of perfection. Peter said this, 
very similar. Be holy in every everything you do, just as God is holy. So what, what we're trying to think about today is not the broad brush swipes of our life where, where we're not that bad of people. We're, we're trying to consider and think about the, the, the fine detail strokes of our life. And are we perfect in those little things as well? Are we striving for perfection in the little things? The words we say, the jokes we tell, the things we're a part of. Are we striving for perfection? Not, not did you not kill somebody today? Well, that's good. You didn't run anybody over in your car. Maybe you didn't flip anybody off today, cut you off. You kind of controlled yourself. You didn't bust out and yell at, scream at somebody. You didn't slam a door today. You didn't hang up the phone on. So, okay, those are, those are bigger things. But what about in the little bitty things of your life, your mind, your heart, your thoughts, your jokes, your, your discussions with other workmates and people on the ball field and at workplaces and, and, and those, little, those little areas of life? Are we striving to be perfect? He says, in everything, in every little detail of your life, be holy. Because God is holy, and he is the one that you claim that you're living for. Paul, so Jesus, Peter, Paul also talked about perfection, because perfection for Paul was his goal. Paul exemplifies what I'm trying to talk to us about today, and that is living the perfect life. Paul strove for perfection. Look what he says. He says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Not there yet. And you and I aren't there yet either. But the, the point is, are we striving for it or are we not? Are we striving for the perfect life or have we just kind of assumed that, that it can't be done and so we don't even try? And what I hope we can do is rekindle the fire of saying, I'm going to strive for perfection, even though I know I'm not going to reach it all the time. And, and I'll never really be perfect until Jesus comes or he transforms me in this new life in heaven that I'm be made perfect. But, but as, as long as I'm on this earth, I'm going to strive. I'm going to work toward. I'm going to not to gain salvation, but to but to honor God, I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to strive to live a perfect life. That's going to be my goal. Like Paul says, not that I've already arrived at my goal, but he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And what is that? Not just the ministry that God called Paul to, but, but to become like Christ, to be made like Jesus that's what Paul is striving for. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now that's, that's a mouthful from Paul that, that is screams to you and me, this is the direction Paul is moving this is the direction you and I should be moving. Straining, pressing on to take hold of what Christ took hold of us. And that is not just the work that he called us to on the earth, 
the work of sharing the gospel, the work of sharing Jesus with our friends, the work of, of, of being a part of the body of Christ and, and, and working together to reach the lost, to minister to people, to care for the dying and, and the hurting and, and to bring healing and, and, and encouragement to people who are down. That's our mission. That's our work. That's what we're supposed to be about. But we're also becoming more like Jesus in every big detail and in every little detail. St. Augustine once said this, this is very perfection, this is the very perfection of man to find out his own imperfections. Ah, that's good, that's good. That's where perfection kind of begins, is in learning our weaknesses, recognizing our faults. Like when we are a part of things and, and we, our conscience and the spirit of God in us is saying, no, that, that, that wasn't cool. Don't say that. Don't do that. You shouldn't talk like that. That's not helpful. That's not encouraging. That's not building anyone up. You're tearing people down. You're being critical. You're being, when we hear our conscience saying those things to ourselves, and I hope yours does, mine does, we're learning our imperfections. And once we can identify our weaknesses, we can begin to work on them to make them stronger. And that's what he's saying. Find out your imperfections and begin to make them perfect. Give them to God. Begin to move toward God in your imperfections. I love that. So what's a perfect uh, life look like? Well, it has nothing, nothing at all. Maybe you got your card and you're looking at your card now. It has nothing at all. Hope I don't blow you up too bad here. It has nothing at all to do with fortune, fame, relics, the treasures of this world, treasures, careers, how many children you have. Those are, those are small successes for planet Earth. But there is a greater perfection, a greater goal that we should all be striving to. And here's the thing. Here's what perfection looks like. Perfection looks like just really just like one thing. There's one thing that I think perfection looks like, and that's this. Faithful living. That's it. Now, I don't know what you wrote on your paper, but if you wrote something along those lines, you get an A plus for today. Good job. Faithful living, and, and now this is this is just my my uh, my take on all this. Okay, this isn't like God's God didn't send this down on a on a scroll and say this is what a perfect life looks like to, to John Napo. Okay, he, this is just my take on what I believe and what I think a perfect life would look like. If you've ever gone to a funeral, you have times in that funeral to reflect a little bit. And one of the things you hear is how people talk about the person that died, right? And how people, close friends, talk about the person who died is a very good indication of what that person was like. I mean, because these are the closest people to that person. And so, so... A funeral allows us to begin to examine ourselves. How do I want to be remembered? What do I want people to think about me? Not, not to, not to, not to make friends or to to do anything weird like that. But, but what what kind of impression do I want to leave on the earth when I leave? 
what are people going to remember me by? What are they going to remember me for, right? So what we should want more than anything, what we should want more than anything, and, and you know what, you and I, we want a lot of things, right? Just think about the things we want. We want lots of stuff, right? We want nice clothes, we want nice cars, we want a nice house, we want nice stuff, we want to go on nice vacations, we want money, and we want more money. See, we want. There's so many things that are worldly and of this planet that we want. But what we should want more than anything else, more than anything in this world, more than all the treasures and the stuff of the planet that we'll never take with us to heaven or hell, it will never come with us to eternity. It stays here. What we should want more than anything else is to live lives that honor and glorify the one who made us. That's what we should want more than anything else. So passionately, we should want this so passionately that he permeates us and then he begins to ooze his very presence from us. Like we should want the stuff of God to be in us and to flow through us that the world around us really does get a taste of God when we're in their presence. When we're there, people, people go, that is a man of God. That is a woman of God. Not because they're self-righteous and judgmental, but because they're just humble. And they just love God. And they love what's right. And they love what's good. And they treat people good. And they treat people fair. And they treat people right. And we're not going to always get that perfect every time. But, but, but we're striving to be that kind of man. And striving to be that kind of woman. That when we leave this planet, when you and I leave the planet, people will say, what a godly man you are, or what a godly woman you were. You know, the real test of you, the real test of me, our lives is what others know about you. And it's what other people are going to say about you when you leave. That's the real test of your character and the quality of the life that you lived. That's who you are. That's how you'll be remembered. How you lived the gospel of Jesus every day or you didn't care at all about that. You were chasing after something else. That in your finances, that in your activities and your hobbies and your celebrations, that in your friends, your circle of friends, that in your children, in your spouse, in your speech, and in your behavior, and even in your thoughts and in your attitudes, you were as close to Christ-like as anyone could ever be, like pure and holy and innocent and godly. That you are nearly perfect in your faith as you went about each day. Like that is something to strive for. Perfection. The perfect life lived faithfully. Faithful living. That, that, that our closest friends and our children and our husband and our wife feel like they have been living with a true ambassador of God's, a true reflection of Jesus, that your faith in Jesus 
rose far above all the things of this world, that it was very clear to people around you, that it's very clear to the world around you, that Jesus is greater to you than anything else in the world because of how you live and how you treat others and what you say, that you speak these things. And not that you just, the, that Jesus rose above everything, but that, it, that your faith impact hit other people like a tidal wave. That when they were with you or around you or near you, they didn't see any like any shadow of turning, any darkness or or any thought or negativism or or things that that are just so worldly. They didn't see that in you, and they know that you're 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 just this stand-up person that represented God, and they know it. That's the kind of life we should be striving to live. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the scripture says, Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. See, faith, look at it. Faith is about what's coming, not where you've been. And it's not what you have. It's about, faith is about what's coming ahead, what's coming forward. He says the word confidence. It's confidence in what we hope for, what we hope for in Jesus, what we hope for in the work of Christ in our life, in the world. It's what we hope for as Jesus moves and grows us to become more like him. It's the spiritual work of God in you and around you. And then he says the word assurance or the word certainty. It's the certainty or the assurance of what has not yet happened. I am so confident that Jesus is coming, that I'm living my life for him, and nothing else matters. My eye is on the finish line, and so I'm not going to worry about all the things before the finish line. I am just running to the finish line with him, right? The assurance or the certainty of what has not yet happened. And so it's the spiritual work of God that's in front of us right? It's what's out there. Faithful, faithful living. Faithful living is not about what you have or where you've been. It's about where you're going and who you put your hope and your trust in along the way. That's faithful living. It's holding on to Jesus so closely and so tightly that the world, that everyone, Everyone knows where you're coming from. Everyone. Rick Warren uh, said this once. He said, passion drives perfection. And this may, this may not be like 100% totally uh, uh, right, but I like it. I like it because I, I think there's a lot of truth to this. That passion, what you're passionate about is what you are going to invest your life in. Right? Think about it with me, like whether it's sports or, or, or competing, or a job, or schooling. When you're passionate about something, you spend your time there, right? You do, you do. You, you buy things to, 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 you know, to have tools and resources to be able to do it better. You, um, you, you, you listen to videos, you watch things to help you get better at it. And this isn't something you do because you're in school and you have to do it. This is a passion that just out of your own heart, you're like, I love doing this. I love, I love hunting or I love fishing or I love sports. And so you now naturally just have a passion, a desire to get better at it. A passion, like it's coming from within you. And when you have a passion about something, 
it will move you toward being great at it or perfect at it, right? I mean, it's true, right? It's true stuff. The perfect life should be our goal. And so the question is, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? And whatever it is you're passionate about, if you're just really honest with yourself, if you even have your card and you write a few things down right now, this is what I'm passionate about. Passionate about these things in my life. I'm passionate about doing this better and better and better and getting better at this and being more successful at this. But what are you passionate about? And, and, and a deeper question is, is Jesus, your walk with Jesus, anywhere at the top of that list? It has got to be at the very top of that list. It does. If it isn't at the top, then you have put other things ahead of God. And if you aren't living it, if you aren't living the passion of Jesus in your life, then you can go ahead and put it at the top of your list, but you're not living it. And so you're still misplaced in your passion. And what we want to do, what we need to do, and what we must do is get Jesus not only at the top of our list on a piece of paper, but Jesus must be the passion of our life in our every day, in our thinking, our thoughts. We study the Word of God. We want to put it into practice. We want the world to know that God loves us, that He loves them. We want to be used by God to the fullest. We want to go and do things that we would never do. We want to go on mission trips. We want to go to Haiti. and We want to go help people that, that are so poor, that have nothing. They're so down that we want God to use us in our life in a way that will make a real difference for other people. Like, that's a passion for Jesus. If all you are is passionate about you, then, then we're no better than the world. We're just selfish. But when you're passionate about other people for God, then the passion of Jesus begins to move in you. And you begin to realize that there is far more to this world than the things we collect, than us. It's about letting Jesus use you to go touch the world, to go and impact the world. The perfect life, it should be our goal to live like Jesus so that our lives would result in two things, okay? Two things that our life will result in if Jesus is the center of our life. The passionate life lived for God would, number one, first thing, there's two, impact the world. That's what our passion for God, that's what our faithful living for God will result in. We will impact the world. People will be left with a great example of what faithful living looks like. Your children, your grandchildren. We leave a lot of things to people, stuff, knives and guns and, and uh, things. But I got to tell you, the most important thing you can leave to your kids and your grandkids is faith in Jesus. Because if you don't leave that, I don't care if you leave them $10 billion. If they don't know Jesus, if they don't know Christ, they are doomed for eternity. How foolish is that? Impact the world, beginning with your own family. That's what a passionate life, 
of faithful living toward God will do. And when you engage in this, you will begin to leave in your wake, not trouble, not hardship, not regret, not pain, but you will begin to leave in your wake nothing but godliness and good things and positive stuff and, and people who want to live a better life and want to live their life for God even more. And you will leave such a powerful impact in this world that it will be unbelievable. Number one, impact the world, right? So that, so that people will say, he lived the life of Christ you're like, that's what you want people to remember you by, that you live the life of Christ. And, and there is no greater compliment than somebody at your funeral standing at your casket or, you know, you're not even there anymore, but, but saying about you, he, he represented Christ in every way. In every way, I saw nothing in this person that would ever question who he was living for or passionate about. Number two, Impact the world, number two, impress the Father. See, this, this passionate life lived for God will not only impact the world, but it will impress our Heavenly Father. Like, make Him proud, impress. Like, honor His name, impress. Like, please God in every way that when you do check out of this flesh, like this jar of clay that we live in, that this the spirit, this eternal spirit lives in this jar of flesh. When we check out of the flesh, that, 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 that this jar of flesh is done, you, you and I will stand before God and we will hear those glorious words, well done, good and faithful child. See, there are not going to be any other precious words than that. If you win the lottery and somebody comes to your house and says, you win a billion dollars, that's awesome, that's cool, that's great, that's wonderful. But I don't care what anybody could ever give you on this planet. The greatest words that you and I can ever hope for to hear. And we will only hear if we live the life of faithful living. Is when God looks you in the eye or me in the eye and he says, well done, good and faithful son, daughter, child. That's the words I want to hear. I don't know what you're living for. I don't know what you're striving after, what you're passionate about. But the only real success in life is a life that is fully committed to Jesus. That is the only real success. Everything else falls short in the, in the scope of eternity. So let us strive. Let's strive for perfection, okay? Let's strive for perfection. Not the chasing around of things that are meaningless. Knowing that when we fall, he forgives us. Like, we're, we're, we're not going to always hit perfection, but if we're aiming at it, if we're aiming for perfection, we're going to hit it more than if we're not aiming at it. You aim at a target, you're going to hit it a few times. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut, right? So we aim at perfection. We're going to hit it. When we fall, he cleanses us. He forgives us. He loves us. So we're good. We're good there when we don't quite hit it. But don't just throw in the towel and just, just, just aim for perfection in big things, but not care about the little things. God cares about every little piece of your life. He wants it to be perfect in everything. And what we want to do is ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life. We need Jesus Christ to come alive in us. Christ in me is my only hope of glory. Without him, no one will see the kingdom of God. 
and we must believe in Jesus. We must confess our sins and be honest with God and just come clean with God and just talk to the Lord. Just say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I want to aim for perfection, but I know I can't do it, God, without you. We need to be immersed or baptized into Jesus right away. Do not put this off to some other day. Find somebody. Talk to somebody. Send me a note. I'll come to wherever you are. I will baptize you if I need to. But you must be born again. You have got to give your life to Christ. And then commit. Commit to living a faithful life to the the God that you claim to serve every minute, every day, every second of your life, and then be that perfect storm. You go and be that perfect storm in this world for the Lord our God. Oh man, that's exciting. It's exciting to just think about what God can do with a life that is fully devoted to him. I hope and pray that that God will grab hold of your heart that you'll, you'll, in your inner being, in your inner man, your spirit, you will be just drawn to the Lord. Nobody can force any of this upon anybody. You can't just go through the motions and do it. It's got to come from God in you, wanting you. It's like that passion. It has to be a passion that you have from within you. You can't fake it or make it up. But you have to want it. You have to long for it. You have to ask God to help you with it and let God speak to your heart. Father, we just love you. And I pray, God, that you'll speak to each one of us today. Help us, God, to give you everything about us, every fine detail that we will line up our life with you, God, in an ungodly world, in a dark world, in a world that who knows which direction it might go tomorrow. We want to walk with you on the solid rock of Christ knowing that our eternity is safe in your hands and in your hands alone. God, we love you so much. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Be careful. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.